Last week we ended with the image of Jesus that we see at the very end of Revelation. Kind of a reminder that maybe our images are a little tame. Jesus riding a white horse as a warrior. I want to portray another picture of somebody who kind of misunderstood Jesus maybe even before Palm Sunday. Take a look at this pictorial image of John the Baptist. You see, when we're troubled by God in the Old Testament, being this tough, difficult, troubling image of God that we've seen, I want you to realize how John the Baptist announced Jesus. In fact, in this scene, he's seen talking to the Pharisees, and here's what he's saying to them. This is from Matthew 3. It says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. In the scene you see in front of you, the Pharisees come to hear what John is saying. And this is what he says to them. Listen to these words. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John is basically expecting Jesus is going to come with wrath. He's going to separate people. He's saying the axe is already at the root of the trees. He's warning the Pharisees. And he's saying, look out. In fact, he goes on to say, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John was expecting a tough guy. John was expecting that the image of God we see of one coming with justice that we see in the Old Testament is exactly what Jesus is going to be like when he shows up on the scene. He's warning the Pharisees like, who even told you to get ready? But you should get ready because the axe, just think of that idea. The axe is already just sitting there waiting to strike you. Make sure you produce good fruit. Yeah, he had an expectation for who Jesus was. Maybe that's why when John was sitting in prison and he was hearing what Jesus was doing, he started to have his doubts. In Matthew 11, it says this, starting in verse 2, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah. Just stop there. What was Jesus doing? Teaching, healing, forgiving. It's no acts. Not the way that John envisioned it, probably. Sure, he was talking prophetically for a longer term, but it seems that what was going on was some of this softer side of God. While he was in prison, he heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? 
You know, I've often thought that was such a strange question to ask, given the fact that when John baptized Jesus, what did he hear? He heard the voice of the Lord saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The voice of the father, the spirit kind of descending like a dove, and he's realizing who this is standing in front of him. In that moment that few of us would ever get to just glimpse this moment of absolute, the glory of God. And yet in the darkness, but because he's hearing a little different version of Jesus than he expected, he's starting to wonder. What is Jesus' reply? He says, go back and report to John what you see and what you hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Like, isn't there something else? Where are the other images of you that we see in the prophecies that were to come? So when we see the people standing on Palm Sunday, they would think that our view of God was a little strange. We're troubled by certain images that they would not be that troubled by at all. That's who they were expecting. That's what they thought. And then it's strange again how our perceptions of who God is creates an expectation. What I want to do is I want to show you a few images of Jesus. And you tell me, you can just say if he strikes you in any particular way, what you think of these images of Jesus. This is the image of Jesus I grew up with. This picture was in my room. <laughs> this is, uh, it was above my better. Uh, I had it, I mean, you know, this was probably the most treasured picture I ever had of Jesus, right? And I, some people say this is the most common picture of Jesus. Like this painting just went everywhere. So, and, and it was like, I think in the 1960s and 70s, it was exclusively this picture. You couldn't have anything else. This was the authorized <laughs> picture of Jesus. But how do we change Jesus into our own image? Do we want him to fit who we are? I mean, how often is it true that we kind of create Jesus to look like us? Like if you took this picture and you made it look like us, for example, you know? <laughs> is that Jesus? I mean, we don't probably see him that way, but isn't that the way he is, though? Maybe not the way he looks but the way he is in our lives, the way we shape our Jesus to be. I found a number of comical visions of Jesus online. Here's one. This is Jesus the surfer. Look at those abs, you know. It's comical, but how many of us actually think of Jesus in this way more often than we do in some other way? Jesus is a video game player. Rock and roll Jesus? I tried really hard to find acoustic guitar playing Jesus, but... Yeah, I just couldn't find one. Okay, maybe more seriously, do we think that Jesus subscribed to a certain political view? There are plenty of people who see Jesus this way. I would think that people who see Jesus' way really see Jesus' way because that's the way they are. And they read Jesus a certain way. 
I believe in certain ideals, therefore God, who must approve of my ideas, becomes very much like me. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe God, in your case, has a democratic point of view. <laughs> but isn't it true how often we see Jesus a certain way? Like maybe, for example, when we're looking at the text, we think, well, I don't really know if Jesus really said those things when it has to do with things we don't like to hear. But when it comes down to what he said about another thing, oh, we totally believe it says that. Before we cast the crowd into being so guilty, aren't we somehow doing the same thing? Skateboard Jesus? Have we made him so much like us that, I mean, these pictures might seem a little silly, but how many of us, when we were going to camp when we were young, thought of Jesus in this kind of way? He was so cool, the image of Jesus we had matched very much our junior high youth pastor. But doesn't that make it more difficult sometimes when we see Jesus in Scripture the way he's really portrayed? Because of creations we've made. Motorcycle riding Jesus? What about this? How often do we see Jesus in one way or another? How do other view, people view him from different races? How often do we limit the way that we see Jesus? How do other people see Jesus? How do we understand him? Is he a tool for our agenda? Shouldn't we be on his? Or maybe we appropriate him for nationalistic reasons, like this portrait. Where if you can't see all of it, there's Jesus standing in the midst of all of our forefathers, holding up a copy of the Constitution with all of these figures. Because clearly, Jesus loves America more than any other country. Right? It's clear. Jesus should be molding us and shaping us. But more often than not, we want Jesus to be the malleable thing that fits into our mold because it makes us feel better about ourselves and our agendas. It's about that simple. And I see it all the time because there are people who want to appropriate Jesus for their own causes without actually recognizing who he is. And the only thing I'd say about that is that's exactly the same mistake that many people in the crowds made on Palm Sunday. They wanted him to be a certain thing. We all know the lesson so well, I'm not going to repeat it, about how Jesus came to be so much more than that that they couldn't understand it. I just think it's often interesting that we don't quite understand it even now. And I am making the second point, which is I think that's why it gives us so much trouble to see God in the Old Testament. Because we prefer Jesus a certain way, a tame way if you will. We want our Jesus tame to kind of comport with our lives so that we can continue living the life that we want and Jesus just kind of fits right into it. Is this Jesus? The image of the shepherd holding the lamb? I mean, it is in some way. But this is just a pictorial portrayal, but we like this and have a hard time with other images that we see. Because we like this image, it's comforting. Here's one that I found that's kind of similar, but not quite similar. Here's Jesus with a shotgun. 
Now, they're funny because I found them, but somebody actually had to take the time to paint that, right? And this particular painting is, is just simply called NRA Jesus, right? <laughs> because somebody believes that were Jesus around today, that he would, of course, be holding a shotgun and supporting the Second Amendment. It's just one more example. Last week we ended with the image of Jesus that we see at the very end of Revelation. Kind of a reminder that maybe our images are a little tame. Jesus riding a white horse as a warrior. Maybe the people on Palm Sunday didn't get it all that wrong. They just had the timing wrong. They had the place wrong. They had the manner wrong. So you could say they had a lot wrong. But in a way, I see the error in our hands sometimes just as much. Because we actually ignore the fact that Jesus comes on a white horse, leading the entire armies of God to come in the end. To clean the land in judgment, to rescue, to save, to cleanse, all the same kind of images we see that the series that we just completed. And that's kind of an image of Jesus that I think we should also keep in mind before we are so eager to remember that everyone else on Palm Sunday got it wrong. It might help us to correct it a little bit more. From the Chronicles of Narnia, when C.S. Lewis writes the same kind of perspective about Jesus. Maybe some of you remember the exchange that Lucy has with the beavers, where she's talking about meeting the king himself. And so she asks, Lucy does, is he a man? Aslan a man? The beaver asks sternly, certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? He's a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. This beaver responds, that you will desire and make no mistake. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. I think that my perspective from Palm Sunday looking back and celebrating the series that we just completed is that we have confidence that God in the end is good. We made him safe. We tried to tame him. I could go on and on as to why I think we did that. Maybe we thought it was a good thing to try to sell him easier that way. Maybe it was easier because we genuinely, genuinely wanted other people to know him and to remove as many obstacles as we could for other people to come to know Jesus. And I don't fault that reason. Because I think people were good intentioned in trying to say, what are all the things that might prevent someone from accepting Christ? And let's address those and try to make it as palatable 
and as simple to do as possible because their lives, their eternal lives, are at stake. I think there's good intention in that. But along the way, we may have overcorrected and made Jesus just a little too safe so that when we actually read the words of Scripture and encountered who he really was, both in the New Testament and the Old, we started to have a problem because we might have oversold the safety. We might have oversold the saving alternative to hell and forgotten the part where he comes to ask us to obey, follow, to give everything, and to literally make account to him at some point. And we kind of put those aside in the effort to get him out there. Is he safe? He's good. And we can affirm his ultimate goodness, even in the midst of all the images we see, whether they trouble us or not. He remains good and powerful. He is, after all, the king. And I think that's what people were celebrating on Palm Sunday, whether they knew it or not, or could comprehend it or not. They were welcoming into Jerusalem its king. And Jesus will come again, and we will all dwell with him in the new Jerusalem, and then we can claim him as king forever. Okay? So that's my brief reflection on what we just finished and a good way to stop on Palm Sunday.